Well, good morning, all you wonderful Texans. Good morning, good morning. How is... Ah, oh, thank you. <laughs> How's everyone doing today? You guys enjoying the time still? Amazing, hey? Amazing privilege to be here. I want to say thank you to the Hope Rock team. I mean, which is many of the people in this room. We want to thank you guys for having us, having us in, for hosting us, for hosting this event. And we're excited just to see the fruitfulness. You know what I mean? It's only a, a day and a half that we get together, but it's the fruit of what's going to come from this time that we're eagerly anticipating to see, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to trickle in beyond just here in Texas. We really believe that. There's going to be fruit globally, Amen. right? Our, our mission is global. God has called us to the ends of the earth and to be in partnership around the world. Amen. And we have, by the grace of God, we've got the privilege of that. And so we're excited just to see the fruitfulness globally. Amen. I do want to say I, I really ex- appreciate just this opportunity. So thank you to my parents for this wonderful privilege. It's a privilege to be here. I love Texas, man. Texas is such a cool spot. We were at the GTT here last year, and I honestly went home and was praying, Lord, are you calling me to Texas? And (laughs) what ended up happening, I was like, Lord, give me a sign. If you want me to move to Texas, give me a sign. And I went home, and the next morning, I got up, turned on my car, and my windshield, just from how cold it was back home in Colorado in March, my windshield just cracked straight through the middle. (laughs) Straight through the middle. And I said, Lord, is that a sign? And he hasn't answered me since. And that was last year. So <laughs> it, did, it, it could be a sign. I, I was thinking, there's no way this would happen in Texas in March. So maybe the Lord's saying something. But, uh, but yet you have had, what, these freezes and branches, like, breaking off of trees and stuff. So it could happen. So I'm still seeking the Lord on it. But I love this place, man. But it's a real privilege, privilege to be on just even this team, I think, to just like be serving on this team alongside my parents and Stephen, Terry, Barr, and Ryan and Shannon and all these wonderful people. It's like, even in this room, I think, man, there's, there's many people in this room who have been saved longer than I've even been alive. And that is so, for me, it's so encouraging. I was just talking to Jeff and just saying that, like, it, it's, it's possible, you know what I mean? To look around and see marriages that are working and, and, and totally just doing so well and to see families who are being raised up in God and to see people who are walking in the call of God in their life and just ongoingly generals in the faith. For me, it just gives me as a younger person such fresh vision and faith to, to say, you know what, it's possible and it's, it's going to happen and I'm going to do it and I want to have those sorts of testimonies. And so I want to even just honor the team that I've got the privilege of being a part of. If you've got a Bible, Will you turn in it with me to Galatians chapter 5? Going to read the Bible this morning. Love the ministry that's been taking place. I really am sensing that, just as we're turning there, that this, this message of the kingdom, this is going to ring out time and time again, because this is our message, right? And this is our motivation, the kingdom of God. It's like Matthew 24, this gospel of the kingdom, our message will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, right? That's our mission. And then the end will come. That's the motivation that actually this gospel of the kingdom being preached to the nations of the world, that's what's got to be motivates us. And so I really am believing and sensing that actually there's going to be a, there is a stirring that's taking place in which we will be stirred with such faith faith as kingdom agents. Really feeling that word, kingdom 
agents, that God is calling us. He's called us to bring something of the kingdom of heaven hereabouts on this earth to the kingdoms of this world. And we have the privilege of doing that. And I really believe God's raising up movers and shakers for the kingdom. He's highlighting individuals this weekend for the kingdom that will bring glory to Jesus. And so Galatians, we're going to be reading Galatians 5. But real quick, Galatians is kind of a, just to understand the context a bit more, Galatians is, it was a, this is a letter that Paul is writing to the church in Galatia or Galatia, however you want to say it. Kind of sounds like something from Halo, if you are familiar <laughs> with Halo. The Galatians, they sound like a, one of the guys... One of the aliens from Halo. They were not aliens. <laughs> but Paul's writing to this church. Six, six chapters that he writes. What's so amazing is that the Galatians, they, had, they were doing things well, but they had one massive problem in which actually most of this letter to the Galatians from Paul was a rebuke and him having to address and correct because there was all sorts of chaos happening. They were divided. They were... They were biting and devouring each other. They had no unity. They were walking against each other. They were robbed of their joy. Jesus Christ was almost in a sense being robbed of what they were doing. And it was because of this one massive issue. You see, the Galatians, they were spirit starters, but flesh finishers. And that's what Paul's writing to and addressing here is, is that they thought, in other words, what had begun in the Holy Spirit they thought that they could now actually complete it in their own flesh and they could do it in their own human effort and in their own human strength. And we, we've got to understand that that is literally impossible. The Bible says, Romans 8, 8, those who are in the flesh, it's, it, it is impossible to please God, those who are in the flesh. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God, is what Romans 8 says. And so they were thinking that this salvation that was birthed in the Spirit, what God was doing, who they were called to be as a church, who they were called to be as individuals, that what came from Jesus and from the Spirit of God, from the Holy Spirit, they thought that they, they can now do in their own human strength. We know it so well, but Galatians 3, Paul just hits, hits straight to the point. He says, you foolish Galatians. And Paul, you got to understand that Paul had friendship and relationship. He, he knew these guys. He they had been good friends before, and now all of a sudden, they're like walking away from Paul. You see that later on in, 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 in this letter. It's like they're starting to walk away and lose their heart for Paul because they've totally neglected the Holy Spirit and the role that the Holy Spirit plays. But they, he said, you foolish Galatians, who has bewitched you? Who's tricked you? Are you so foolish that after beginning with the Spirit, you're now trying to attain your goal by human efforts? I want to say that human power can only produce human results. Whereas supernatural power produces supernatural fruit. And that is what we are called to. We're called to do it with God, with the Holy Spirit, with the power of the Holy Spirit, not in our own strength. Flesh, flesh can only give birth to flesh. It can ne never give birth to spirit, whereas spirit always gives birth to spirit. And we, we look at these Galatians as we say, oh, you're absolute fools. They were so foolish. You know what I mean? We know that so well. You think of the Galatians, foolish people. And we say, of course, of course it's impossible in our own strength. But how, if we're being honest, I would say 
maybe not most of us in this room, maybe. I know I don't know everyone too well in this room, but so many believers around the world. We all get saved in a place of spirit and revelation, right? It's impossible to be saved without the Holy Spirit making it clear that we are in need of a Savior. The Holy Spirit's role plays a huge role in salvation. So we all get saved in a place of spirit and revelation. But so many believers live out their Christian lives in a place of flesh and blood. And so we, man, we so often, we think, no, no, we're not like the Galatians. To be honest, we really are. I think of myself in my own life. When I am contending for my own comfort and my own convenience, that's living it out in the flesh. We heard, we, we heard about it yesterday, that actually suffering is part of the kingdom. Being uncomfortable, being put in uncomfortable situations and areas, that is what it means to be living by the Spirit and operating in the Spirit. We try to overcome sin in our own strength. And let me tell you, it is impossible to overcome sin by our own flesh and in our own strength. Because our own flesh, to be it is sinful nature. And the challenge that I just feel for us today is, is this. Is are we living in the flesh or are we living by His Spirit? Are we living by the flesh or are we living by His Spirit? And I just, I, I've, I've been so challenged with this lately, more so than ever in my whole life, that actually I cannot do it in the flesh, nor should I even want to do it in the flesh. I want to do it exactly how the Bible tells me to, and I want to do exactly what God's called me to. And so to be walking in step with the Holy Spirit, once as He steps, I step. I just want to be living like that. I don't want to be doing anything less than what God's called me to. And so in Galatians 5, let's read this together. We'll start in verse 16. There it is up on the board or up on the big fancy screen. Paul says this, he says, So I say, live by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the sinful nature, which in other words is the flesh. That's what that means. It says, for the sinful nature desires what is contrary to the Spirit and the Spirit what is contrary to the sinful nature. It says, they are in conflict with each other so that you do not do what you want. And so what we've got to realize is that these things, flesh and spirit, they are the only two options that we can pick. So anytime, if we are not living by the Spirit, the only other option that we are, we are living by is by the flesh. There's no in-between. There's no alternative. It's only flesh or Spirit. So in any moment that we're not living by the Spirit of God, we are actually living in our own human effort and in our own flesh. They're also in conflict with each other. These are not two parties that agree with each other or have anything in common with each other. These are in opposing conflict with each other, both desiring us completely. The flesh wanting to take us out and say, quiet the spirits and be overtaken by the flesh. Whereas the Spirit of God, the Holy Spirit, speaking to our spirits is saying, come with me, um, intercede with me, be, have intimacy with me in which we are overpowering the power of the flesh. They're in conflict with each other. Dropping down to verse 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the sinful nature with its passion and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. And I'm sure that you've heard that before, keeping in step with the Spirit. Heard that many times. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. But 
But when I read that, and I believe some of us would say the same thing, sometimes when we read that, let us keep in step with the Holy Spirit, we see that as like, that is some impossible fantasy. How is that even possible to do? How is it possible that I can keep in step with the Holy Spirit every single action that I take? How do I keep in step with the Holy Spirit? And so that's what I would like to just focus on today is actually how do we live by the Spirit and how do we keep in step with the Holy Spirit? I want to share a few points and it's, it's much more than these few things, but I really believe that, that these few things, if we can do these things, if we can apply these things to our lives, they are practical things. If we can do these things, we will be walking in step with the Holy Spirit more and we can keep contending to know Jesus much more. I've been trying these. I've been practicing these. I've been living, trying to live these things out to my utmost these past few months. I've really just been convicted by that, that actually I'm called to do it by His Spirit, not by might nor by power, but by His Spirit. Have I arrived at my goal yet of walking every single moment of every day of my whole life in step with the Holy Spirit? Absolutely not. But <laughs> my prayer for myself and for all of us is that actually as we draw closer to Jesus, as we fall more in love with Jesus, as the days go on, that this would become a greater reality for all of us. So how do we walk in step with the Holy Spirit? Number one, I believe that it's, it's receiving His fresh anointing daily. This is so huge. I've been in this season more than ever believing and operating in the anointing of God more than ever before. And anointing, I don't know how, who's told you what anointing means or who you can pick it up from or where you can, where you can receive the anointing. But anointing comes from God. Amen. Acts 10.38, one of my favorite scriptures in the Bible, it says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. Amen. So it was God. God anoints. We don't pick up anointings from other people. It's God, the Holy Spirit, who anoints and empowers and enables us. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. So He anoints men, right? It was Jesus of Nazareth, not Jesus God, although He was God. Jesus the man, Jesus of Nazareth. So God anoints men and women, people. It says how God anointed Jesus of Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power and how he went about doing good and healing all those who were under the oppression of the devil because God was with him. And so the anointing simply is this. It's a fancy word, but it simply is God's enabling power for you and I to do what he's called us to do and to be who he's called us to be. And so we need this anointing daily. And this is not for those who have a microphone in their hand on Sunday mornings. That is not what the anointing for. The anointing is what He's called us to do and who He's made us to be. So we are all called to live holy lives. It's impossible to live a holy life without the anointing of the Holy Spirit. It's impossible to, to do what God's called us to do, to, to, for what we do for careers and jobs and, and raising children and, and being a good husband to my wife and being a good wife to my husband. We need the anointing from the Holy Spirit every single day in order to fulfill that, how God's called us to do it. I really hope that each and every single one of us believe that. And anointing, it's personal. I love that because the calling is personal. There's a personal call on your life and the person sitting next to you. It means that there's a personal call and a personal anointing that we get to receive every single day. 
And so it's, it's receiving this anointing daily. When you think about it, what's the purpose of every single day? It's to know Jesus more and to represent Him more, to become more like Jesus Christ and to, to reflect Him to a lost, hurt and broken world. Amen. More and more. And so when, when we realize that every single day there's more and there's greater for us to walk in every day, that I'm called to know Jesus more today than I did yesterday. And when I wake up tomorrow, the call of God is for me to know Jesus more tomorrow than I did today. When we understand that actually it's more and more and more and more, continually growing and becoming more like Jesus, then we realize that actually there's an anointing today and tomorrow when I wake up, there's going to be an anointing tomorrow that I need to receive. And the next day, anointing to receive and a fresh anointing, a fresh grace and anointing each and every single day. And I want to ask us, are we operating in that anointing? <laughs> I simply, it's simple. It's, it, it's in the morning. There's been a few things that I've started doing every single morning. And one of them is I, what I do, just believing in receiving the anointing from God for the day, not for tomorrow, not, hey, I'm preaching today. For what God's called me to do and who He's called me to be, I want to receive the anointing. And so I'll wake up in the morning. One of the first things I do is, Lord, I receive your anointing now. For these things, I will list them out before the Lord and say, Lord, these are the things I know that I'm called to do today. These are the things that are happening. These are the things that I'm going to be a part of today. These are the people I'm going to be hanging out with today or what's going on. This is what I've got to do at work today. I receive your supernatural anointing for this. As well as the things that I don't know yet, I receive the anointing for that. And I've just found that just simply doing that, believing in it, it's not like every single time I get the goosebumps and the, you know, like fire from on high and all that kind of stuff. It's like actually sometimes it's just, Lord, I receive that. I choose today not to walk in the flesh. I want to walk by your spirit. And then it's operating in the anointing. And that I've found just honestly, like going to the gym in the mornings, like, we, we've been using the gym, my family is, I mean, supposed to be working out, but, <laughs> but we, <laughs> we've been using it, like, just simply to, like, as, like, a tool. We want to see people saved at the gym. We want to see the kingdom of God advanced in the places that we go on the day-to-day. And one of them is the gym. And we've just seen such supernatural fruit in which there's guys who will chat to me and say, man, I'm struggling with this or like things are happening with this at home or I don't know how to raise my kid. And I'm like, why are you asking me? I don't know how to raise your kid either. I don't have any kids. And they've got marriage issues and all this like chaos happening. And while they're speaking to me, I'm just like, Lord, like I'm praying in my head. I'm saying, Lord, I don't know what to say to this guy, but would you anoint me and give me wisdom beyond my years, beyond my experience, beyond my age to say like, you know what's, Let me speak into your life in a way that's actually going to be able to build you up. And I've just seen, honestly, how God has used it. And me being able to speak into some guy's life who's 20, 30, 40, 50, 60, 70 years older than me. Not 80. (laughs) That'd be wild at the gym. That'd be impressive. (laughs) But... Like it's, it's, it's amazing. And so I really believe for us guys that we've got to operate in the anointing. We've got to walk with the Holy Spirit. Being filled with the Holy Spirit. I want to challenge us and ask us, what time, of day do we, what time in the day do we spend with Jesus? Is it in the morning? Is it in the afternoon? Is it in the evening? Is it super late at night? 
I used to find that like when I found that God would speak to me the most was like 11, 12 o'clock at night. It was just like, no, God would like, like really just speak to me in those moments. And I'm like, I need to go to sleep, but Lord, I want to speak to you. And so it was a lot of late nights. But recently I've found that actually there's such value in the morning. There's something significant about the morning. It, David prays it. Moses prays it. Moses prays in Psalm 90. He says, satisfy us in the morning with your unfailing love. David prays, Psalm 143, let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love. And I've found that actually, like beyond what I can even explain, there's something significant about what God wants to do with us in the mornings. So I want to challenge us that actually before the day gets started, before we see people, spend time with Jesus, spend time in the presence of God. God wants to show us His unfailing love that's what Moses and David are praying for let the morning bring me word of your unfailing love it's like in the morning time the sun's coming up and the son Jesus he wants to show us just the depths of his love he wants to show us his grace and he wants to pour out his abundant grace and mercy and goodness and love to us he wants to reveal in greater depths the love he wants to show us the depths that Jesus went to for us to be reconciled back to him and so I've recently been making this a priority in the mornings and I've found that it just gives me such faith for the rest of the day. Have you noticed when you have a bad morning, the rest of your day is not fun. That's, that's my, I don't know if that's personality thing or something, but I find that if I've got a, had a really average morning, for the most part, the rest of the day is just like, I cannot wait for this day to be over. <laughs> But when we have a morning and we spend it in the presence of God and we actually are refreshed, He gives us just this, this longing to actually see the day for what it truly is, that it's a blessing from Him, that we get to know Him more, but also that we get to reflect Him all throughout the day, that we get to ponder upon His goodness and His grace. It's about being filled with the Holy Spirit continually, time in time out. Acts 2, you remember in Acts 2 that says the day of Pentecost, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And then in Acts 4, they were, had a prayer meeting. They were filled again with the Holy Spirit. We need the constant infilling of the Holy Spirit. If the same, same Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead, if that lives in us according to the Bible, why would we not want it? <laughs> I want that Spirit every single day. Beyond what I can do, I want the Spirit of God. So it's that, first of all. Then secondly, it's, it's recognizing and acknowledging the presence th- of God throughout the day. You know what I mean? It's not like, hey, okay, we spent time with Jesus in the morning. We gave Him our 30 minutes, our hour, <laughs> our quiet time. We had it. Now, I'll see you tomorrow, Lord, when I come back at the same time for this again. Yeah. I think sometimes we think, okay, no, we're doing it. It's continually throughout the day. And so I, I remember a preacher a few months ago preaching and saying that actually what he does is he will... Um, intentionally recognize the presence of God. He tries to do it every single hour. So when we in our busy lives, man, we as Americans, we live some very busy lives. But when we in our busy lives, and what I've tried to do is when we get every hour, Lord, simply saying, Lord, I acknowledge your presence. Holy Spirit, I acknowledge you. I honor you. I recognize that your presence is still with me. And saying something that we just love about Jesus. So that's what I've started doing. Lord, I, I, it's been an hour. 
I haven't left you. I haven't been walking in sin and stuff. But, but I've, I want to acknowledge your presence again. I don't want it to be a one time today and then tomorrow and then throughout the day. That's what it means to walk in step with the Holy Spirit. And then it's, it's Lord, I acknowledge your presence. I love you, Lord. We're saying one thing we love about Jesus. Jesus, you are so faithful. You are so good to me. You are so worthy of all my praise and all my glory. If we're just doing that constantly throughout the day, that's us walking in step with the Holy Spirit. The third thing, I better hurry this up. My goodness. Third thing, how do we walk in step with the Holy Spirit? It's surrender and obedience. It's both those things hand in hand. And we touched on that this morning. We touched on that last night. But surrender and obedience. My dad said yesterday that surrender releases God's presence in us, but obedience releases God's presence through us. It's both those things hand in hand, but obedience is so crucial. I really believe that the most important words that we can ever say to God is this, I surrender all. And the most important thing that we can do for God is every single thing He tells us to do. Whether big or small, whether whether something that's going to change the world or something that's just going to change my life, surrender and obedience all the time. You know that there's a way that to know that we are truly surrendered to Jesus Christ. There's proof. The proof of a surrendered life to Jesus Christ is obedience to Jesus Christ. You know, we can say it all we want and we can, we do say it. We, we, we sing it and we say, Lord, like I surrender all and I give it all to you and your kingdom come and your will be done. We can say it, we can sing it. To be honest, we can even mean it. But it's simply just words without action if there's no obedience, if there's no outworking to it. And so I want to challenge us today, this morning, that actually it's both those things hand in hand. It's continually surrendering and saying, Lord, it's all about you and I surrender all. I need your spirit. But it's saying, Lord, whatever you tell me to do, I'm going to give myself to it. It's staying surrendered. As my dad said yesterday, it's living at the feet of Jesus. There's many people in the Bible who was all, all like claimed to know God, but actually weren't walking with God. One of them was the Cretans, another people from Halo, I guess. <laughs> and Paul writes to Titus in Titus chapter one, and he tells, he's speaking about the Cretans. He says, hey, Titus, you need to like rebuke this group of people. He says that they claim to know God, but their actions deny him. So their lips say one thing but their lives say a completely different thing. And then he says this, he says, they are detestable, disobedient, and unfit for doing anything good. That's tragic. Unfit. What that means is incapable. They are incapable of being able to do anything good because their lips claim to know God, but their lifestyle suggests otherwise. We have to live at the feet of Jesus all the time. Obeying Jesus, even when it makes no sense. I think of Peter in, um, in Luke chapter 5. You remember, this is actually like when, when God was, or when Jesus was calling Peter and James and John. And it was like they had been fishing all night. And Jesus comes around, rocks up in the day. <laughs> and he says, like, throw your nets out into deep water. And Peter says to him, he says, Master, we've been fishing all night and we've caught nothing. But because you say so, 
will do it. Amen. What ends up happening is they caught such a large catch that their nets began to break, their boats began to sink, in which what, what ended up happening was the other disciples were astonished. The other, the other fishermen were astonished, it says, of the catch. And people began to see and take notes. And then what ends up happening is Jesus says, come with me, I'll make you fishers of men. Amen. And so Peter, James, and John, we see one chapter later, Jesus chooses his disciples and he picks Peter, James, and John, who were really significant disciples of Jesus's. And it was in that moment, it was Peter's obedience. He was the one who said, you know what? We've been fishing all night. We've caught nothing. But master, because you say so. Even when it doesn't make sense, we've got to be people who say, you know what? We're going to obey God. And the fruitfulness from that is that there's, there's, there's physical fruitfulness, right? The, the, the provision was there. The, the catch was so plentiful. But also there's people who, who, who ended up following Jesus because of Peter's obedience. James and John, they ended up, they, I don't know, who knows if they would have even done what Jesus said, but Peter did it and they all saw it and they followed Jesus because of it. So we've got to respond, surrender and obedience, surrender and obedience. The fourth thing is that we, how do we walk in step with the Holy Spirit? It's setting our minds on what the Spirit desires. There's, there's something so significant about our minds. Romans 8 says, Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires. But those who live in accordance with the spirits have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind of the sinful man, it brings death. But the mind controlled by the spirit, it brings life. And so what's so amazing is like, have you noticed when you, when you get saved, it's like everything begins to change and everything becomes transformed, including your mind. Yeah. You notice that like even sometimes immediately, I've seen it even with other people, when they get saved, it's like something shifts in their mind automatically when they receive salvation, when they're born again. And it's like when that, that happens, but then now it's like we are the ones who need to set our minds continually, every single day, setting our minds on what the Spirit desires. It's taking captive of every single thought to make it obedience to Jesus Christ. It's thinking about such things as whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, whatever is excellence or praiseworthy. Those are the things that we're called to think about. Not thinking about what's going to gratify the desires of our flesh, but what is going to bring glory to Jesus. What's going to be praiseworthy for Him. And then the last one promise I'm ending now. It's simply just this. It's pursuing Jesus above all else. How do we keep in step with the Holy Spirit? I mean, you've been hearing Jesus all weekend and it's not going to stop now. Hopefully it will never, ever, ever stop. But it's pursuing Jesus above all else because one of the roles of the Holy Spirit is that He comes to bring glory to Jesus. And so when we are pursuing Jesus more than anything else out there, we are walking in step with the Holy Spirit. And I sense, I wrote this down, I felt a few days ago, just in preparing for this time, I sense that there are people here this weekend and you understand that Jesus is Lord. You understand that. You understand that He is first place, that He is commander, that He's master, that He tells us what to do that He is sovereign over all, that He is omnipotent, all those things. 
you're walking in the authority of the Lordship of Jesus. But it's almost like that you've forgotten that He is also our first love. And so in this, Lord, you are so beyond us. It's like actually you walk with us. You choose to walk with us. You choose to be part of us. You choose to live in us and live through us. You choose that relationship with us. And everything that I get to do for you, I get to do with you. And it's not I have to do this for you. I get to do this for you. It's out of love and devotion. And so Jesus, He's our Lord, but He's our first love. We should be completely captivated and obsessed with Jesus Christ. He is our sole aim and pursuit. People often ask me, how do we bring through young people? Honestly, if you are obsessed with Jesus, young people will catch that. Authenticity, how to be authentic. Young people will see what's real. And so the thing that I've noticed for me in our partnering churches and in people, in followers of Jesus, in guys on this translocal team, their authenticity that they really know Jesus and they really want to know Jesus more, they are obsessed with Jesus Christ. It has motivated me so much to say, you know what, I want to do the exact same for myself. I believe that a sign, I'm ending with this, a sign of spiritual maturity. I think some people, some people find this the moment that they get born again and other people like me find this years and years later after they've been walking with Jesus. But a sign of spiritual maturity is when we get it in our thick skulls that actually the, the greatest treasure that we get is not from God, but it is God. Amen. That it's not the stuff that Jesus gives us, and we're grateful for all of it, for all the blessings. But the greatest privilege, yes. the greatest prize is Jesus Himself, Amen. which we don't have to wait till we get to heaven one day to have. We get to know Him. We get to walk with Him. We get the person of Jesus all the time walking with us. That is the greatest prize. He's the total prize. Heaven, I just picture heaven and and everyone and everything encircled around Him and captivated by Him. He is the prize of heaven. And though the Bible says that we're going to receive a prize when we get to heaven, I don't know exactly what it is. But all I know is He is the greatest prize in heaven, which means He is the greatest prize here on earth, that we get to know Jesus Christ, the one who created us, the one who loves us. Genesis 15.1, God says to Abram, I am your shield and your very great reward. Jesus is the reason why we have life, and Jesus is the reward for our life. So let's pursue Jesus above all else. Be obsessed with Jesus Surround ourselves with people who are obsessed with Jesus and we will be growing in our revelation of Jesus Christ. Can I pray for us? Is that all right? Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Lord, I just, just want to thank you, God, for who you are, Jesus, and all that you are, Lord. Thank you that we get to walk in step with your Holy Spirit. Thank you for the gift that the Holy Spirit is to us. That Holy Spirit, we acknowledge you even in this place that you are Lord, that you are not some optional extra. You are Lord, therefore we must walk with you, Jesus. We must walk with you, Holy Spirit. And I just pray, Lord God, that we would come to this place in which we would be walking in step with your Holy Spirit. Day by day by day, would you give us the practicals, Lord, to walking in step with your Holy Spirit. I pray that you would just captivate us today afresh. 
to say we want to, we long to walk with you. We need to walk with you. Apart from you, we can do nothing in our flesh is no good thing. We cannot please you in our flesh, Lord. We've got to do it in the spirit. So we give ourselves to these things in Jesus' name. Amen.